Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end zone, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're gonna get! Don't you ever talk about me! L.O.B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! The quarterback, you can't fight! Welcome along to the Off The Ball NFL Podcast. We've got a full house this week. Sam Monson, a very good afternoon to you. You too. And uh, Kian Fai's with us too. Hello. How are you? We've also got uh, Mitt McCarthy with us. Hey, Jer. Hey, lads. Um, the Packers have announced that uh, James Starks is now their number one running back, but they're going to continue to be a one-two punch. Is this a bit of an overreaction here, Sam? It's like, oh yeah, it's the running back's fault that uh, we're currently not as good as we used to be. No, I mean, there's something clearly wrong with Eddie Lacy. Um, I haven't heard a sensible argument yet for exactly why he's not playing as well as he has been in the past, but clearly he isn't. Um, I think the statistic is over the last while he's uh, he's fumbled as many times as he's made people miss when he's been running the ball. I don't know, the last few weeks that, that statistic holds true. And everyone immediately leaps to the idea that he's he's overweight, he's out of shape. And I don't know how true that is. I mean, it all stems back, I think, from this rookie photograph of him that was just taken at a really horrible angle that made him look ridiculously fat. Um, and this went nuts on Twitter for a while until other photographs surfaced from the same day where he's looking perfectly thin, and it really was just a, an unfortunate freak of camera angles. But I think since then, it's basically dogged him that he's this overweight player, this guy that doesn't have the best conditioning in the world. And it's tricky to know now how much of that is actually true this season because whatever the reason, this isn't the Eddie Lacy that we've seen in the past who is a much better player than James Starks. Right now, James Starks, I think, is the right guy to be handing the ball to. He was pretty good in his rookie season. He was pretty good the season after that. And it doesn't look as if his conditioning has changed at all, Keen. So maybe there's something else at play here? Actually, he was great as a rookie because for a lot of his play, Aaron Rodgers was out, so it was largely up to him to carry the offense. Uh, I tend to disagree with Sam on this. I do think he's out of shape, and I, I don't think it, I, I, obviously the last time it was a camera angle, it was one picture. But this time, unless ESPN are broadcasting with odd dodgy camera angles and every angle, to me he looks like he's heavier, and he definitely looks like he's slower because there are holes in the running game where James Starks is running through them and James Starks is generally pretty fast so it's not a major indictment but there are holes in the running game where James Starks is running through them comfortably cleanly uh, Eddie Lacy's getting similar holes and he's taking forever to get there and he's getting touched as he goes through and he falls over and you're kind of looking at that and you're thinking this guy is too talented to be falling down like this this guy is too talented to be this slow because even when he, he has been a heavy back he's a big back in general but when he's been a heavy back in the past, he's still been quick enough and quick. And I think he just didn't really have a big margin for error. So if he has added a little bit of weight on, it's going to slow him down to the point that he is this ineffective. I guess because it's news and we kind of have heard it in the last uh, 12 hours or so, um, we're focused maybe a bit more on that than we should be about the fact that the Panthers annihilated the Packers, really. It finishes 37-29, but it's only close because of uh, 15 points in the last quarter from the Packers, Aaron Rodgers was not good. The rest of the team was not good. Uh, and Cam Newton looks like he's uh, a player that you can hang your hat on. 
and the Panthers are legit Super Bowl contenders this season, Sam. They're certainly, yeah, they're not going away. I mean, everybody is waiting, I think, for the wheels to fall off this Panthers wagon week after week and they keep winning games that they're they're not supposed to, really. Um, Cam Newton is as valuable a player as he is in the NFL right now. He's He may not be playing as well as a couple of other quarterbacks out there, but when you consider what's around him, I think he's doing as much as anybody else. And there, I think there's always going to be frustrating plays with Cam Newton where you think for a guy playing as well as he is, he should make that play. And those happened in that game as well against the Packers. But there was so much good that he did in that game. Um, and he's carrying that offense. The defense is really good. Um, there's, there's stud players at every level of that defense, and they're a really solid unit. In fact, if you look at all the, the undefeated teams, those defensive units are all playing really, really well. Um, but Cam Newton has been able to get the offense playing well enough to to match it. Um, I kind of suspect that at some point there's going to be a dip in form, and the only question is whether they can ride that um, or, or if it comes at the worst possible time in the playoffs. But right now they look as good as anyone. Yeah, like they... The last two weeks, I've watched them pretty closely. I watched all of the Colts game and this one, and they were like clearly the better team both weeks. But they won the Colts game in overtime, collapsing in the second half. And now, fair enough, like Green Bay never really looked like they were going to get it back, but they got it back to one score. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Is that a concern? I mean, you've got to remember that Green Bay is still a good team. You know, we're all looking for what's gone wrong with the Packers, and. The bottom line is they've lost to two undefeated at the time teams. You know, Denver, who played an absolutely all-time game when it came to their defense. That was one of the the best performances I've ever seen from a defense, top to bottom. And then Carolina, who we just got through saying are really good. So, they, you know, the Packers have struggled with two games, but against two really good sides. So, I, I think it's a little early to be completely panicking on Green Bay. And then, you know, the same thing goes on the flip side, that they're still a good team that this uh, Carolina team knocked off. It's it's almost like the the Seattle win that they got up in Seattle. You know, the Seahawks this season aren't the same team they've been in years past. It's not quite as tough a proposition to go in there and win, but it's still going into Seattle and knocking them off, which is definitely not an easy thing to do. Yeah, uh, Ken, I think um, Mick is worried that the there is a flakiness about the Panthers, which hasn't quite emerged yet. <laughs> Which is a weird thing to say about an 8-0 team, like, but yeah, maybe. maybe. I, think he's, I think he's crazy, but go on. <laughs> well, to me, it's it's been a very weird season in general, and I think the Panthers probably epitomise that more, more than anyone because, like, Ted Ginn is legitimately their number one receiver. Obviously, Greg Olsen is their best receiving option, but if you're talking just in terms of wide receivers, it's him and Devin Funches who can't catch a ball and Jericho Cotri who can't move. And you're kind of looking at it and you're going, this week it has to catch up to them, this week it has to catch up to them. But it, for me, it's just Cam Newton has just been phenomenal. And while he's so what Sam says, he's right about Newton missing opportunities. There was even a touchdown pass last week to Greg Olson where you thought he should have made the throw and it would have been another huge long touchdown. But what, what Newton is doing is something that I don't think any other quarterback in the league you could put into that offense and say and make the offense function the way it is because he's the best short yardage running back in the league. He's playing in an offense where... He doesn't have a good offensive line, so they have to keep more uh, blockers in to, to give him t- give him time. So he has to make downfield vertical throws that are always very difficult. So he ha- he has all the physical tools, and then he's able to create as well with his feet. And you're just even a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who is brilliant, and who although he's been struggling recently, who is brilliant in almost every aspect of being a quarterback. He, if you put him in this offense, I still don't think he'd be as good as what Newton has been. 
even though Newton is missing opportunities. He's just creating so much uh, to compensate for those missed opportunities that the Panthers can keep on winning. Well, that's really good coaching and that's um, the benefit of stability and, and not sacking Riverboat Ron all those times when they could have sacked him. Isn't, it, isn't this a lesson for all the owners out there, Sam? Yeah, it, it's also understanding what you have in Newton in this completely unique weapon as a quarterback. I don't think there's any other quarterback in the NFL that you can do the same things that they do with Cam Newton in, which is basically utilize him fully as a legitimate running option. Not just a guy who can keep the ball every now and again and gain 10 and then slide before he gets hit, but actually run, you know, QB power, lead him through a gap, put him against the real big uglies, the kind of holes that running backs are expected to run through and take serious contact along the way. Newton is the only quarterback in the NFL that can do that at like 250, 260 pounds. And you're just not concerned about him getting dinged up because he's the guy delivering the hits yeah. to guys that are smaller than him. It's you a- know, even a guy like Russell Wilson, you don't want him taking those hits. You'll allow him to use his legs, but only under the proviso that when things are about to get ugly, he's got to slide. Over oh, the day when Colin Kaepernick would have been in the conversation too. <laughs> the only thing that's going to stop uh, Cam Newton is another car accident, it turns out. Um, we should move on because we've got to talk about the Rams and the Vikings. This isn't a game that at the start of the season we might have been predicting uh, as being that important in terms of a wild card. But actually, um, the Vikings now move to 6-2 and two, and the Rams are stuck in 4-4. Four and four, And... Uh, there's a real chance that the Vikings are going to make the playoffs and there's a real sense that the Rams should be in the playoffs, Keen, but might actually blow it. Well, the Rams can just feel bad for being in, not even just being in the NFC West, but just being in the NFC because if they were an AFC team, they'd be pretty much on, on their way to the playoffs. Uh, I think the Vikings are kind of the bigger story to me because a lot of us expected them to be quite good this year and um, they, they have, they've been winning, but they haven't really looked great, especially on offense. And you saw last week when Teddy Bridgewater was injured that the passing game basically just died because the passing game for them is completely reliant on him being able to play behind a horrible offensive line with receivers who can't really get open and can't really consistently win at the catch point. So your, your concerns with the Vikings is that their limitations on offense are going to catch up to them. Actually, it's a little bit similar to the Panthers and like what we were talking about. You're, you're looking at, the, at their receivers and you're looking at their offensive line each week and you're saying this has to catch up to them. But... They're kind of a lesser version than the Panthers at this stage because Bridgewater obviously isn't Newton at this point of his career and the defense is very, very good, but it's kind of a little a little tier below where the Panthers are playing at, at the moment. Sam, what did you make of um, the, the Rams so far this season? They're 4-4 four and four and they've got literally, it looks like, almost everything that you need with the obvious exception of the quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't know they're much different than they've been in years past. I think they're slightly better than they've been in the last few years, but... The bottom line is they're a Jeff Fisher team, and they tend to be the same, which is slightly below average with an occasional peak towards the playoffs. And this might be that year. You know, they've got Todd Gurley, which is a massive upgrade. They've got Aaron Donald, which is a big upgrade in, in years past. Um, and they're they're good. They're not a bad side. But I just I, this was a litmus test game, I think, for both of these teams. And the Vikings ended up on the right side of that. I think I suspect the the Rams are going to kind of regress towards more what we've come to expect from them in the past few years. With the Vikings, I think North Turner is a bit of an issue there. He's a really smart coach, and when he has a quarterback that he thinks he needs to help, you know, adjust what he does to try and help the guy out and, and put him in the best position to succeed, he does some really smart stuff and can craft a really good offense. But it's almost like he gets kind of complacent or, or lazy when he when he decides that he can take the training wheels off and this guy can now 
do everything he wants him to. He reverts back to this archaic offense that, you know, existed in the 90s. And it just doesn't work. It puts so much tre- stress on the pass protection that has to defend these deep seven-step drops and protect for a long time. And all of the uh, the roots are long, vertical, slow-developing stuff. The quarterback gets put under an enormous amount of pressure. And it just, I mean, the Vikings at the moment, you can see, are just kind of floundering in this thing where everything's not quite working and they're constantly under pressure. And if they just kind of went back to what they were doing when Teddy started off playing, I think they'd be way better. Mick, you want to talk about this? No, well, I was going to go back to the Rams, actually. Um, we were talking earlier. Like you were saying, you know, they have everything except for a good quarterback. Like they're the worst passing offense in the league. You know, Nick Foles is definitely not great. He's definitely not, shouldn't be a starting But they've just got Wes Welker, Mick. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wes Welker for the week or two he lasts before he goes down with a concussion again. But, like, it has to be more than the quarterback when the passing game is that bad. Because Nick Foles, like, was not great, but he was competent in Philadelphia. He put up a lot of yards. He had some amazing fantasy days, as we remember. Yeah. You know, I just I just feel it has to be more. It has to be more about, like, the either the style of play or the personnel they have in there outside the quarterback which like just suggests it's a much bigger issue than just Nick Foles yeah I don't know the receiving core it's hard to know um, like yeah well they obviously use um, Tavon Austin a lot in all kinds of different shapes and forms and as a running back like five times a game yeah and, and they stuff. get criticised for for that and it's actually getting the ball I don't know it's like a, oh, all they have are these trick plays for Tavon Austin it's like well last season they didn't give him any ball and everybody complained about it and this year they gave him the ball and they're like oh you're too clever with it so I don't know I, I think uh, yeah, that I don't know if that's is, the issue I think it's more that they just don't have the past like that's too big a weapon these days to not have if you're going to be a playoff team uh, well I just think that so this week the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks and if the Seahawks knock over the Cardinals then uh, the Rams are playing the Bears. They'll actually only be a game back, yeah. and that division is just uh, is primed to go a little bit crazy over the next um, couple of weeks as well. So with San Francisco looking up, oh uh, yeah, poor San Francisco with, with Blaine Gabbert, uh, which maybe we won't even bother talking about. Uh, we should talk about the Broncos, um, beaten by the Colts uh, because the window was open. Apparently, Peyton doesn't doesn't like the window open or something. I, d- I didn't quite fully understand how this was like the the magic voodoo trick that they could pull, which suddenly turned the Broncos from that amazing team into a team who just couldn't do anything for, like, certainly the first the first half, the, the first 29 minutes and 58 seconds of this game, they were appalling. He's like, a, he's like one of those delicate, you know, exotic flowers that one small gust of wind will turn him immediately into something terrible. I, I think that the... The Colts used a lot more um, of these kind of pick plays and, and the kind of stuff to free up guys against man coverage that Green Bay never really did the week before. Green Bay just ran what they ran and let their guys get blanketed for seven seconds each play. The Colts said, well, if you're just running man coverage almost every snap, we're going to make it tricky for those guys to stick to their receivers. We're going to start crossing them. We're going to start running them off stack formations. And there were a few plays where Chris Harris just got almost completely wiped out of the play by, you know, three guys running through him, essentially. And and it worked. And then, you know, even when Peyton Manning plays okay, the weirdest thing is that he's struggling in the one way you just wouldn't have expected him to struggle, even late in his career, that every now and again, there's an absolutely horrendous decision where you say, I mean, what are you even seeing? The, The interception looked bad enough on TV, 
But when you look at it in all 22, he's trying to put the ball into a window about the size of a bucket with three, four Colts defenders around it. And to do it, he passed open a wide open, uh, passed up a, a wide open crossing route straight in front of it. And these are the plays that you think, you know, rookies would be castigated for making this play. And Peyton Manning is one of the most cerebral and smart quarterbacks to ever play the game. And he's making more of these horrible decisions than anybody else in the NFL. Um, the other awful point from the Colts' perspective is the lacerated kidney of Andrew Luck, who reemerged as Andrew Luck again, the, the real Andrew Luck, shuffled back onto the field, did the damage to his kidneys, and now who knows how long he's going to be out. Obviously, this is... Um, the same injury that is keeping Keenan Allen out for the rest of the year. The Colts Two to are six weeks though, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a long time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. A, a month of, of variance. Um, so that, that division is also a bit of a disaster. We expect the Broncos to recover pretty quickly, I suspect. Do we, Keen? I would presume so, but the, the thing that's always kind of scaring you with Manning is like, like what Sam said is the decision-making and everything. He's, he's looked bad all year. But for, for other, from another team's perspective, last week, he he did that thing where he just teased you and he showed you and he, he was throwing the ball with velocity, he was throwing the ball accurately and he looked great and you were thinking that those days were completely gone. So basically for the Broncos at this stage, getting to the playoffs is what all that matters and obviously they want to get at home, they want stuff like that but it, it's going to be a little bit of a roulette at the end of the year because you just don't know what, what Manning is going to turn up. Chances are it'll be the bad Manning because the bad Manning has been there for most of the year. But you're still going to hold out hope for that great Manning to show up. And if that great Manning shows up, I don't really care what sort of state the defense is in because it's still going to be better than any defense he's had over recent years. And in the AFC, that will give them a strong chance. Yeah. yeah. All right, we should move on to um, talk a little bit about uh, Sam Bradford, who says he's now getting comfortable with the offense and starting to feel a bit more uh, confident. And um, I don't know, I mean, like, is it possible that expecting Sam Bradford to immediately come back after two horrific injuries and be good straight away was just expecting too much? And that actually, over the next five or six games, we'll probably be able to analyse him a bit more objectively? Is, is, is there a, a chance, Sam, that actually Sam Bradford is quite good? I don't know if he's ever going to be quite good. It's it's kind of ironic that he's now feeling comfortable in this offense just as the offensive line begins to fall apart around him with injuries. Um, Lane Johnson kind of got owned a little bit at left tackle and filling in for Jason Peters. The thing about Sam Bradford that always confused me is that coming out, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks that anyone had ever seen. You know, not just in terms of hitting the hitting his receiver wherever he was, but actually you know, ball location, putting the ball exactly where it should be, hitting the guy in strides so he didn't have to move. It was this robotic-like accuracy that he was supposed to have. And even when he was halfway good at the Rams, you know, when he was healthy for a while, when he was playing at his peak in the NFL, you never really saw that. I mean, he was relatively accurate, but the ball placement was never exactly where it should be. You never saw this fabled laser-like accuracy. Um, so I'm kind of curious how that just disappears. But I think we've seen in the past that he's not a bad player when he's healthy and when he's comfortable in the offense. He's a guy that I think probably falls into that tier of quarterbacks that will never be amazing, will never be great, but you can win with him. I mean, if he gets to the stage where he's comfortable, he's not making terrible decisions, and he's playing somewhere near his best, the Eagles have to assume that they can build enough around him and they can win with that. That division is kind of crazy this year as well. Um, so yeah. obviously the Eagles beat the Cowboys 33-27 with the walk-off touchdown in overtime. I still don't think the Cowboys are out of that division uh, even though they're so far back. 
not quite, but it's getting really close. Um, their schedule is pretty brutal. They will have been betting or banking on the fact that they'll win at least one of these games without Tony Romo. And somehow they've conspired to lose them all, yeah. um, which you can see why it'll happen when you're starting Brandon Whedon or Matt Castle at quarterback. There's a very real chance you're never going to win a game. But, you know, they'll be pretty disappointed at this point that they didn't manage to scrape one of those out. And if they did, they'd have so much more breathing room when Romo does get back. Patriots won 11 games with Matt Castle. Let's not forget. Yeah, yeah. that was when? I know, I know. Well, actually, my, <laughs> my point was actually going to, that was a joke, but also my point was going to be like, you know, it just shows you that the Cowboys aren't that great a team around it. So, like, to Jer's point about them not being out of it, like, it's not as if Romo's going to come back and they're going to sweep the board. You know, they're, think, they're not that great a team anyway. I think what it also shows you is is just how much of a career you can get in the NFL by showing something at any stage as season, a backup yeah. quarterback. Like, even if... I think there's a lot of people that still think of Matt Castle as the guy from 2008. There's even more people that whose last legitimate memory of him is when he had that one half decent year as a Kansas City Chief. But you're now, you're going back like five years to the last time Matt Castle wasn't utterly useless and you're still expecting him to be an upgrade as a backup quarterback. Oh, yeah. I mean, at some point you have to look at what he's shown in any time after those last five years and say, this guy is not upgrading anything. Yeah. How many times has Matt Flynn been picked up now just based on one game as a, as um he got rich out that one game. Week 17. But he's been waived about 60 times and other teams keep picking up. It's insane. Are he's back at Green Bay, is he? I, I think he was definitely rumoured to, to be wandering in somewhere there last week. Yeah. All right. Um, there's not actually that much else that we really need to talk about. The Steelers are going to miss uh, Roethlisberger probably for two weeks, one of which is going to be the bye and the other one is going to be the Browns. So. Or did you just literally just saw it two minutes ago, so I thought I'd mention it. Uh, Roethlisberger is considering... Uh, might be playing this week because he's out of the boot already. All right, okay. okay so because the starting landing Jones is never going to work. Yeah. No, he's he's just, even against the Browns. He's just exactly. going to stand there and throw it to Antonio Brown who's going to run for 258 yards again. Mm. Uh, who's going who's gonna to come out of the uh, of that division and will the Steelers, are they going to be a wild card? I think so. I think the Bengals will take the division at this point. The Steelers have probably left themselves too much work to do with banged up Roethlisberger. I think the Browns will win if Roethlisberger doesn't play. I think Landry Jones is that bad. that Even a Johnny Manziel-led Cleveland team can beat them. Um, I think they're still one of the best teams in the AFC if they're healthy. If they get Roethlisberger back and they're firing on all cylinders, I think they should have enough to take a wild card spot. Um, Kim, we were talking a little bit last week about how at this point of the season a lot of teams are going to think well all we just have to do is get to the playoffs and, and see if we can get hot at that point because there's, it's clear while there are three teams obviously unbeaten at the moment it's clear that most of the other teams are very evenly matched and even the unbeaten teams on a good day if certain things happen a lot of other teams are going to fancy their chances of beating them so uh, if you are the Steelers all you really want to do is get into the playoffs and have Roethlisberger and one of your running backs still capable of running as well as Antonio Brown and suddenly teams like that or um, any of the other teams who are kind of in that general vicinity are going to really believe that they have a chance of uh, of winning the whole thing. Yeah, well that's that's the weird thing about this year. We have three unbeaten teams but we don't seem to have any one great team and uh, in the AFC you would have said that the Steelers wouldn't have had any chance if they were missing Pouncey, if they were missing Bell, if they were missing Beecham. You would and Rossburger for extended periods. You think their chances will be gone, but they've 
they've managed to get through without Roethlisberger to this point. They're still I, winning, winning last week was huge. Being the Raiders was huge because the Raiders seem to be a team that, while they have major problems on the defensive side, their offense is so good that they can force their way into the playoffs. Yeah, and it will be a problem in the playoffs because their offense is that good. But as the Steelers, you're not like you should be way more concerned than you are. But you're not simply because you've survived to this point, and you know when you get Roethlisberger back with D'Angelo Williams running well, with Brandon Brown there, that you're going to have a very good offense. And that alone will put you in contention in that division. Yeah. All right, folks. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. We've uh, had Sam Monson, uh, Senior Analyst of Pro Football Focus, and Kian Fahey of Football Outsiders with us there. And we're going to do uh, mixed picks and some fantasy nonsense a little bit later. If we have time. I think we'll try and fit it in all right, yeah. Mick is absolutely desperate to get the fantasy nonsense in this week because he had the <laughs> flukiest win of all time against my uh, unstoppable juggernaut. More, more on this later. Who have suddenly been derailed. But uh, yeah, more of this in just a minute. Hello, listeners. This is a slightly shorter version of uh, what you should be listening to right now. But um, Mick McCarthy... Neophyte producer, never before been involved in the production of a radio show or podcast, forgot to record the piece. It was good. It was very good. And now, Rookies as a result... Mistakes, sure. and, and now, as a result, doesn't actually get to lord it over me uh, about something that happened that he wanted to tell you about. But we just don't have time anymore. Well. Uh, so, mixed picks this week, Mick. <sighs> I can't remember what I actually picked in the previous podcast that we did, but they were definitely better than whatever I'm going to pick now. Well, they were actually pretty good. So I'm going to pick uh, Kansas City Chiefs plus five and a half at the Denver Broncos. Because you think Peyton Manning's dead. There's a strong yeah. chance Peyton Manning might not play this week. I'm also going to take the Bears getting seven points uh, at St. Louis Rams. Bears coming off a, a victory, trying to get some stuff going. Jay Cutler possibly underrated at this point because everybody thinks he's so useless. And I'm also going to take the points from the, the Lions at the Packers. I don't know, like there's three road teams. That's stupid. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a chance to redeem yourself here. Fastest way at the poorhouse. 11, 11 and a half points Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Like, I did watch the Lions and the Chiefs in Wembley. They were the awesome. Lions were one of the worst teams I've ever seen. Okay. Since then, they've sacked the whole front office, though. <laughs> right, yeah. And the president. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you're going for those three road teams. I will. Um, I was. I can't. Remember, I honestly can't remember what I picked. You picked I. The, you picked the Bengals. I picked the Bengals. Yes, minus, minus ten, ten and a half at home. Picked against, Tampa minus two. Yes, and I picked a road team. No. Oh yeah, at the Sorry. Cowboys, and I picked the road team who were the Carolina Panthers minus five and a half at the Tennessee Titans. So yeah, the the news I'm not allowed to bring you is that I beat you in the greatest fancy match of all time at the weekend but accidentally don't worry Ger I'm, I'm still one game behind yeah mid table mediocrity all my injuries are catching up with me no no you're 6-2 and two, are you 6-3 and three? I'm playing myself down all the way I, I played I'm myself seven, up last year long time listeners will remember and it didn't work out too well for me in the playoffs uh, yeah you just have to finish second to try and avoid Mossy to reach the final yeah, the yeah, yeah. Oh, Mossy Quinn's team got an awful lot of um, praise and kudos in the, in the previous uh, deleted podcast yeah Non-recorded podcast. Yeah. Sorry, Master. All right. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week for a proper one. What a clown. Sorry.